You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. It took a while before I realized that this is that unstructured thing that doesn't necessarily have a purpose. And when you allow yourself to get immersed in it, the icing on the cake, the benefits are amazing. Yes, it did result in me gaining more confidence. It did result in when I brought it to my team and us being able to communicate better with each other and all of these amazing things. But in that moment, playing these games, they honestly don't really have a purpose. But the fact that we allowed ourselves to play gave us the ability to connect. Hey, hey there, and welcome to Pause on the Play. As always, it's amazing to see you here where you are reminded to examine your beliefs, question your predisposed notions, and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here to get the dialogue going. So today, for all of you that have all the energy and like to be playful and enjoy the levity in life, like to laugh and all that good stuff, this is for you. And for those of you that sometimes have t- trouble finding it or don't like it, this one is going to prompt you to think about something else. <laughs> this is going to remind you that maybe I could consider it from time to time. This episode is really going to be digging into the concept of improv, improvisation, and how it can provide this amazing playground to be more creative, to be a better communicator, to tap into your you know, resources of how empathetic you have the capacity to be, to really just, again, broadening out the capacity in all of these places. And I'm fortunate to be having this conversation today with Gary Ware. And like Gary is going to bring all the laugh, all the all the things that I think are going to really put you in this place of like, all right, let's 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 think about this. Let's figure out what this is, what this means, what's possible. And he gives you some great, great, great examples. And so Gary Ware, he is the founder of Breakthrough Play. Is a corporate facilitator, keynote speaker, certified coach, and self-proclaimed creative catalyst. Gary has over 14 years of experience in the corporate world, holding various leadership positions. Being a multifaceted individual, Gary also comes with nearly a decade of experience as a performer in improv theater. After experiencing burnout in his pursuit for success and happiness, he realized that what was missing was play. Committing to a life of play is what led Gary to discover his passion for facilitating. 
Gary uses the power of applied improvisation and other playful methods to assist people in unlocking creativity, confidence, and better communication. When Gary isn't leading workshops or speaking, you can find him learning magic or off on an adventure with his wife, Courtney, and son, Garrett. So this conversation, again, it was a lot of fun to have. I laughed a lot, which laughter is good for you. So I want you to be able to tap into the same, enjoy, and here you go. Get into it. Yes, yes, yes. I've been waiting for this conversation. I'm so excited to have you here. Welcome, Gary. I, I am so happy to be here. It's been a long time coming. And yeah, let, let's let's get on with it. Woohoo. I'm excited. All right. And for those of you that um, are listening to this, on the day that we um, were recording, Gary came with all his energy, which I expected no less. And I have... The, the I guess it's energy I have. I don't know what this is. But my kids got a fake out snow day of like, we're going to cancel school. It is, nah, it's not going to really snow, though. It's not going to snow. Y'all just going to be home for no reason. So I'm like, ah. So <laughs> I had to <laughs> seclude them off to kind of get a little bit of quiet here because this was a conversation I wanted to have. And I know if my kids hear me start getting hype, they get hype. And this is, this is just going to be a real interesting thing if I have, <laughs> if I have them out here with me. So... Gary, for those that don't know you and they don't know about improv and how much it has just kind of influenced and been a cornerstone of what you do and why you do it and how you do it, I would love for you to just start by telling people that maybe have heard that word, maybe know what it means, maybe don't. When we're talking about it here right now in this moment and when you talk about it, what is improvisation? Okay. Improvisation is essentially making things up. <laughs> if you if you think about it, that's, you know, at the core, it is responding in the moment and creating on the spot. Yeah, it is. And honestly, I'm glad you did that because I would not have been so succinct. Thank you. Because <laughs> mine would have been a whole lot more in-depth because it it for it to be something that can be that simple. It feels like such a big skill for some reason to me. Like it feels like something that it's like, you need to learn how to do this, even though it's really not necessarily about learning, right? It's actually about unlearning if, if I'm being completely honest. Ah, good, good. Yeah, go there. Go there. Tell me more. Yeah, so the improv that I do is theatrical improv. If you've seen Whose Line Is It Anyway with Wayne Brady, um, it's like that. We get on a stage, we don't have a script, we get a single suggestion, and, and as an ensemble, we are telling a story. Now, in order to do that, you're right, there are some activities and, and things that we do to help prepare us for that, but in doing it for over a decade, I realized that kids have these skills, you know, the ability to create divergently, as in think outside the box and really expand on ideas. Uh, okay. The ability to embrace mistakes. Oh, you didn't mean to say that? Okay, you know what? We're going to roll with it. We're going to do something else. As adults, we've been conditioned to think that, uh-oh, oh, I don't know what I'm going to say. Oh, people are going to judge me. You know, we have all of those things. And in my training, in the activities and exercises, it is essentially just taking us back to play, taking us back to recess, taking us back to a time, you know, when things were simpler mm -hmm. and 
that's all we're doing. You know, there's some other skills that I don't think kids have that improv does help us develop, like the ability to listen and, and not, yeah. not just like listen, but truly listen to understand, not listen to respond. Uh, that's something that I got from improv. Um, but, you know, in its essence, it's just all about responding in the moment in a way that is positive. Okay, so you brought up one of the really important things that I also want to drive home here. And it's like a, like it's actually everything that um, a friend of yours and a a guest of ours that we had on um, a while ago, Jeff Harry really talks about, which is play. And I would love for you to really drive home the importance of play in improv, because again, I think it can be very easy to think of this as a skill. This is something to do. And sometimes there needs to be that unlearning of like, no, 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 no. This is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be kind of off the cuff. It's supposed to just be what it is in the moment. And so can we kind of drive home why the play aspect of this is so necessary? Yes. And I can do that through a story. So when I got into improv, my objective, my outcome was to be a better public speaker. At the time, I was a director at a digital marketing agency. I had a staff. I had to, quote unquote, be important. And if I was honest with myself, I was in over my head. I really didn't know what I was doing. And a mentor of mine said, hey, why don't you take an improv class? And as that sort of 20 going on 30 something year old, you know, trying to quote unquote optimize his life and and work his way up the corporate ladder. I saw any opportunity to, you know, essentially make more money and stuff like that. I'm like, all right, I'm on it. And so, yes, I originally thought of it like, all right, cool. I'm going to go, I'm going to learn this improv thing. I'm going to get good at this improv thing. And it's going to make me lots of money. Mm -hmm. And I went to my first class and I was taken aback because for two hours, we played these silly games that essentially will remind you of being in elementary school. And don't get me wrong. Like at first, I'm like, what? Like, what, what, what's going on here? However, for two hours, I was completely immersed in the experience. For two hours, I didn't think about my to-do list. I was completely present and I was having fun. So in essence, I, I was playing. And when I went home, my wife thought I was drunk. <laughs> she said, <laughs> "She said, have you been drinking? I said, no, no, I, I haven't. I was like, I, seriously, honestly, I wasn't drinking. I, I, and so I didn't, at the time, I didn't get it. it. It took a while before I realized that this is that unstructured thing that doesn't necessarily have a purpose. And when you allow yourself to get immersed in it, the icing on the cake, the benefits are amazing. Yes, it did result in me gaining more confidence. It did result in when I brought it to my team and us being able to communicate better with each other and all of these amazing things. But in that moment, playing these games, they honestly don't really have a purpose. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we allowed ourselves to play gave us the ability to connect. And that's what people cut out. You know, that those are the things that in the effort to be more productive, or at least you think you're trying to be more productive, or, you know, you're trying to be more serious, you cut out those things that seem frivolous, that seem juvenile. And those are the things that are necessary for the connection to happen. 
The interesting thing is you remind me of um, a book that I read recently and something that really stood out to me in that um, like I, I, I read the five love languages forever ago. Cause at some point it became one of those like, all right, this is a prerequisite for being in a relationship. Just read, re- read the book, please read the book. I'm like, all right, I'll finally read this book that for a long time for me, I kind of just was like, I don't want to read it partially because I also realized it was very like, it had a lot of like religious themes in it. And for me, I was like, Ooh, I don't know that I want to be the housewife at home. That's just not for me, but okay. And the book, the concepts were really good. And I remember reading it and needing to just, take what I needed and leave the rest. And so over the holiday break, um, I carved out time because I'd been wanting to read the five love languages of children. And one of the things that stood out to me that you just reminded me of was a statement in the book that I had to pause and go back again, because I kind of was like, they didn't say what I think they said. And they did, which was that most childish behavior is undesirable. I was like, wait, what? And it stuck with me because I have been fortunate enough to be, you know, being around and influenced by people like you that are like, no, these things that we let go of are actually helpful. It's the adult crap that we learned that's actually hurting us. And when you kind of, you know, mention these things that maybe they could seem childish or juvenile. And I'm like, yeah, that, 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 concept came up again because we are given this lie that we're supposed to be adults and being adults means that we don't do certain things and we're the ones that are really getting it wrong spot on and so i like to also talk about this the the difference between childish and childlike Mm, yes please because there is a difference childish is being stingy <laughs> childish right. is you know throwing a tantrum and everything is sort of overgeneralized and put into that bucket of childish and play mm-hmm. is thrown in there yes the thing about yes. play in its essence is helping us be childlike and the the qualities of being childlike are very desirable matter of fact I believe LinkedIn, they always have this like list of characteristics of high performing leaders and whatnot, you know, so that people can spend more money there and and do their courses and whatever the case may be. (laughs) Yes. On that list are creativity. On that list is curiosity. On that list is the ability to communicate. Right. Wonder. Like those are childlike qualities that we sort of turn off because, you know, I'm just going to go back to conditioning. We've been conditioned to think that there's only one right answer. Mm -hmm. And we've been conditioned to think that if you make a mistake, you're going to be, you know, sort of sentenced to death, 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 you know, sort of. (laughs) Yes. And we live in a world where there's so much uncertainty. We live in a world where there are things that are being developed that have never been developed before, and we don't have the rules for them yet. And so if you are playing by, you know, since we're talking about play, if you're playing by the old rules, you're going to end up burning yourself out because you're not going to be effective 
because you're not harnessing that childlike behavior. So I agree. And I want to ask you, I want to, I want to play devil's advocate a little bit here. And the reason that I'm going to is because yes, I do think that when you break it down, there is a difference between childlike and childish in the sense of there are actions or, or ways of being that children have that has a, a wonderment to it that adults could benefit yes. from reclaiming. And there are some that some adults have taken with them that is like, can you stop? Please don't do this. Yes. <laughs> Please don't do this. And at the same time, I think that there are some of us that are very clear that throwing tantrums, that's, we, we, we're not, we really should not be doing that. Now, I have seen some grown man babies <laughs> throwing tantrums. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so there's that. Oh, my God. Yes. And at the same time, I think there are some of us, and I'm going to kind of throw my own self in this box, that had to grow up so quickly that I probably could benefit from in a in the proper container and in the proper context here, um, from giving myself the permission mm-hmm. to allow some emotions to be worked through by throwing that tantrum, by having these actions that it's like we don't do that, we don't act that way, because that stuff got stuck, yes, and we didn't move it. And part of working this through does require a certain amount of emotional release. And it might feel childish, but how else are we supposed to get this crap that's in this big ass ball somewhere in our bodies clogging up the works out? Great point. And you bring it, the whole thing about emotions. Oh, oh boy. Oh, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I threw a whole curveball. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 so let's uh, like unpack that. Like there is the extremes. Right. Um, where, you know, we have people that don't have that self-awareness and, and whatnot. And when they when people say control your emotions, I I feel like we take it to the extreme and we feel like we need to mask. We need to hold it back yes. and stuff like that. Yes. But, but I don't feel like my when I hear that, um, it doesn't mean avoid your emotions. Um, right. I'm of the mindset. Feel that ish. You know, understand mm-hmm. it, right? But don't completely lose it to the point where, like, you're like off the deep end and and whatnot. But however, there there are going to be times when we do this. So, no, bringing it back to kids, mm-hmm. um, kids they have tantrums. Right. My, I've a I've a four year old, um, and he throws tantrums. Um, but the interesting thing about kids is, once that tantrum's over, he released it. He's cool. Me right. as an adult, I'm holding on to it. I'm like, I can't mm-hmm. believe you did this in the middle of the store. Blah blah blah. Like, <laughs> right? He's like, he, you're right. Like, he had that release. He, you know, he said what he needed to say. He did what he needed to do. And then he comes up to me like, "All right, Dada, let, let's play." And I'm like, and and we're frustrated. We like, so you just go walk up to me and act like you ain't do nothing, right? You just, you just go act like this didn't just happen. So so you're right. Like you know, and and that's one of the things where sort of being able to express your emotions um, is, is important. Um, And it just needs to be, you know, I I think we need to have a safe place to do that. And we also need to realize, you know, how we're acting and how it potentially could um, 
affect other people. You know, going back to those those man babies where the reason why they're throwing a tantrum is they're not getting their way and it is their way of showing control and mm-hmm. trying to dominate the situation. I I don't I don't think that's acceptable. Right. That's the old way of of being and and that's very childish. <laughs> yes. It is. It is. And the only reason that I brought that up was because so often especially um, people of color and I'm going to say black people in particular, Mm -hmm. because I have to speak to what I can attest to. I don't have the same level of space um, in publicly to tap into that. Agreed. To allow all of those emotions to just do as they will whenever they choose to. And so a lot of those things have gotten bubbled up. Um, bundled up and just kind of had to be put away and to then be told like oh no no you you can figure out how to let your emotions out and then figure it out well which ones are like do you mean it are you sure like i don't i don't know what's gonna happen i'm open this box and i don't know what's gonna crawl out of here and it brings a lot of things to the surface because i think that it has tempered so many areas of our lives and it's It's an interesting concept to me to think about something like improv as a way to be able to navigate, even if for a moment, being able to just be present in playing a role and having a level of honesty that you don't feel like you have anywhere else, a level of transparency that you have a hard time being able to claim in other parts of life. Agreed. And one thing that I love about improv and theatrical improv is just that. When I'm doing scenes and whatnot, it's kind of hard to keep your life out of it. Yes, it's all made up, but, you know, the inspiration comes from the experiences. I've been told, like, as I was coming up from this craft and I got very, like, into it and I wanted wanted to be, like, great. I'm like, how can I continue to be better? And and an improv mentor of mine said, Gary, the best way to be a great uh, improviser is to just have an interesting life. Just experience life. Mm. The things that you experience are going to show up in the work. And it becomes very like therapeutic to like spontaneously have this scene. And then, and then, yeah, maybe you're playing this boss and you get a chance to be the over domineering type or, you know, whatever the case may be. But it's done in this container where we are listening and we're playing off of each other. And then afterwards, you're like, whoo. Man, that that felt good. Mm -hmm. I got to release it. And you're right. Like, because as people of color, as as black people, we don't always have those spaces where we can let loose and and let these things out. And I found for me, the stage has been a great place to sort of play through some of these things. And and it's the cool thing is that I'm playing through it and and as I teach improv, I tell my students, there's a difference between the character that you're playing and the actor. And because I'm able to separate from these things, this detachment allows me to just sort of release it and I can see it and, and play with it and maybe exaggerate it or or things like that. But there's just this release that comes from doing that. People think they know what to expect. They haven't met you yet. Bi-weekly, India Jackson, co-founder of Pause on a Play, has conversations exploring branding and visibility. Own your values and amplify your influence. 
by giving the Flaunt Your Fire podcast a follow today. We are digging into the magic of play today. And this is a great example of why we can't talk around topics. We have to talk about what it is and call it what it is, no matter how palatable or uncomfortable, if that's the thing that it just might be. In order to get to that point, you have to be in alignment with what matters to you and why. Leading through your values means being explicit about what you support and how your actions are aligned with it. Every person you hire, every business you buy from, these are the kinds of actions that will bring you closer to or further away from your values. Or may I add, stepping into a place of just a little more play. There's always that as well. In order to get clear on your values, go on over and visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit today and sign up to be a part of the From Implicit to Explicit Masterclass and allow Indy and I to support you with your values. So I'm curious for this type of, I feel like it gives you an access to really get in touch with things inside of yourself that you don't always access as easily. Um, And I think about things like creativity. I think about communication uh, and communication is not talking at, but talking (laughs) with, (laughs) Um, you know, and, and of course empathy. And I'm curious, you know, what are, you know, how does that support you really being able to expand your capacity for being creative and being better at communicating and being more empathetic? Yes. And to explain that, I'm going to talk about a game that it's really fun to do. Um, and then I will give you a disclaimer by doing it. It is going to open up your ability to see things from a different perspective. And it may, you may see some stuff that you might not want to admit, especially if you feel very passionate about something. Uh, so the game is, uh, uh, pro con speech. And so how it works is you take something that, um, you know, I start by teaching it by taking something that is sort of middle of the road. Like what is something that you're sort of indifferent about? You know, it can be anything. And then um, when you first start, so it's like a two-person game, um, you just start by raving about it. You know, oh, I, you know, for example, spaghetti. Um, You know, you just start talking about spaghetti and why you like spaghetti. And then the person that you're playing with will say, rant. And then you have to start ranting about it. And then they'll say, rave. And then you rave about it and rant. And you go back and forth, you know, you know, from both sides. And then again, it's a fun game. You know, it shows that, oh, wow, I can see both sides of a story. Um, but what happens is it starts to exercise your empathy muscle, your ability to see things from someone else's point of view. And then I started, uh, especially when I'm working with teams and whatnot, I start by saying, what is something that you don't necessarily like very much? You know, something that's like, you know, um, you know, for me, uh, I don't, I don't like, uh, I don't like coleslaw. I'm not, I'm not a fan of coleslaw. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to put it out there. Uh, I won't then, take your card. I promise you're fine. Uh, it's, it's, uh, coleslaw is a little, little sketchy sometimes. So you get it. Yeah. 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 And, and um, but you start by, you start by raving about it and then you go back and forth and, and again, um, it, it helps you, you know, start to see things from a different perspective. But one of the cool things, and my, my wife would attest that, like, you know, she likes this, is that 
when you are having a debate with someone, mm-hmm. you can play this game. And this is what I mean. Some people are like, oh, I'm not going to do that. Um, where you have to debate the other person's stance. I actually really like that. Because like, as you're saying it, I'm like, I, because we don't reconsider our normal mm-hmm. outside of our own normal enough. Yes. And so having to think about the other persons, it's like, mm-hmm. why, why wouldn't you be willing to? Why does that exactly. feel uncomfortable? Why well, yeah. are, are, are you afraid? You scared? Come on. Right. Like, what, what's going to happen if you do it? Yeah. I actually really like that. I'm like, ooh. I wonder if I, I wonder if my kids would be on board. I'm like, yeah, it's a fun it's a fun game. That's why I start very light of like, yeah, what's something that you you know really don't have um, you know a stance with, and you know you get into it, it's like, all right, cool. Now we're gonna go back to this conversation we had where you, know, you were unwilling to do X, Y, and Z. Now we're gonna start by what are the you know, what are the pros of doing that? Like, go into it, you know, mm-hmm. and then you go back and forth, and and I tell people by doing this activity doesn't mean that by you taking someone else's stance is that you have to stay there. Right. It just gives you a a space to explore it. You start to have empathy. And then you might end up meeting somewhere in the middle. I like this a lot because I can see how, I mean, and like you said, like this feels like something that at work you can find a way to kind of do it and make it fun, but then also like really get to kind of the crux of something. And at home, it's like, it's a way of trying to maybe lighten up a conversation around like, you know, that, that, that thing that you had did that I told you I didn't like, can we, um, can we talk it through with this? And I mean, and I, I think anytime there's a conversation that needs to be had, that is challenging, finding a way to navigate it that isn't quite so heavy or, really coded in somebody has to be wrong here. Exactly. That it's it's immensely helpful. Yeah, and it was which brings me to one of the things that I learned about improv that once you step off the stage you it's challenging to turn this off is that we have agreements. Like we agree that this is how we're going to behave. This is how we're going to operate. Mm-hmm. Improv can't work unless we all are on the same page with this. And one of our agreements is how can you make your partner look amazing? Mm. And that is something that, again, is now because I've been performing, teaching, and you know, studying improv for over a decade now. Um, I feel like it's ingrained in everything I do. Right. You know, I may not always like it, and I might I, like sometimes I like look, you know, like when you have like the Jiminy Cricket, like the conscious on your shoulder. Like, God damn it. All right, really? Um, and, and, and again, it doesn't mean that you have to, the other person's always right, but it, right. it brings out that empathy. Yes. You know, how can, you know, how can we support each other? Um, and another thing with improv, one of our agreements is, you know, if you've heard of improv, you've probably heard of this thing called yes and, you know, on the stage, it means that if I make what is called an offer, you accept that offer and then you build on it. Now, you know, you know, you some when you're learning, we actually have you say yes and say and and add something else. And the reason why we do that is that we're so conditioned to say no to everything that mm. I find students unconsciously are in a scene and they will just say no. <laughs> I'm like, um, time out. Let's run this back. Do you know what you just said? Like, no, what I said, you said no. You just denied them. So it's called a denial on the stage. Now, 
bringing this back into real life out of the stage, it's kind of hard to say yes to everything. Right. And so what yes and means in real life context is that you accept and you build. You accept that that is the reality. That might not be your reality. This is somebody's reality. And how can we build? How can we build on that? The interesting thing is it reminds me of something that um, I don't, I honestly don't even remember where I got it from, but I remember it from years ago of like, you want to find a way to say yes to the customer or to the client. Um, And so let's say, for example, they're like, you know, I really need this by Saturday. And you're like, yeah, no, I don't work on weekends. And it's like, you know, yes, we can get it done. However, we'll have to take these three things off and we can have it to you by Friday. And so it's being able to kind of navigate how is it that you can say yes. And even if it's something that you're like, you already know, like in your head, you're like, this was a no. You knew this was a no when you asked me. You just wanted to try it. And you're trying to really, in your head, figure out how it is that you can say yes, that in essence, still upholds your boundaries, still is, is, you know, really acknowledging what the request is, what the reality of it is, and where you can meet with that. And I've had kind of a little bit of a love and hate with it, because I don't, I don't always love that concept of, you know, the customer's always right, because it's like, no, sometimes they're wrong, they're wrong. And, you know, but I get why it's it's being said. And even in those moments where, you know, like you say, the devil on the shoulder is like, yeah, you wrong. Why you do that? In your head, it's like, well, is it wrong or is it just not what I would think is right? Is it just ding, not ding, what ding. I would have done? Right. And so having to really navigate that, having to really question it and really figuring out what else am I not thinking about here? What am I possibly missing from an empathetic standpoint? Because I can't sympathize with it and say that I would do that or I've been through it. But from an empathy standpoint, what can you identify with? What can you, you know, understand? And so I think, you know, the beauty of yes and is that it really puts you in this position that like you don't have to have personally uh, gone through this or understood this or uh, identify with it, but you're holding space for possibilities outside of what you would have regularly considered a possibility to be. Yes, that is exactly it. And it brings me to the next improv uh, principle that we study is listen to understand. You know, we have uh, two ears and one mouth, so we should listen twice as much, you know, than we speak. And often people just listen just enough so that they can rebut it and they're not really listening to everything. And, you know, when you put all these things together, how can you make your partner look amazing? How can you listen to understand? How can you bring in, you know, the spirit of yes and now we are having a conversation. Now we are building together and the end result is probably going to be someplace that, you know, neither party thought we would get to. Right. And that to me is the mythical space <laughs> that some people are like, it doesn't exist. And it's like, it's, it's possible. It may not always feel like it's possible in some situations. It's, it might be harder to get there than others, but it is possible. And the interesting piece about that is I feel like everything that you have kind of shared as, you know, 
here's a concept, here's a game, um, here's some ways of thinking about it, any of that. It's all about possibilities. Yes. And so which, oh, oh my gosh, this is like a layup. I, I love this conversation. <laughs> so to that point, um, there are ways of seeing the world. And mm-hmm. this is one of the ways that people are like, oh, you know, sort of child, you know, you know, it's a childish thing, you know, sort of Pollyanna. Seeing the world as a playground of possibilities where you you see the world as, you know, this is someone that's a playmate. Uh, this is, you know, where we have an opportunity to co-create something. Um, oftentimes, as adults, we stop seeing the world um, as a playground of possibilities and we see it as a proving ground. Oh, where we have to prove that we are worthy. We are, and, and the people that were once seen as playmates are now our competitors. And mm. now this is where we, you know, sort of get stingy and we like, no. Or unfortunately, in some cases, some people see the world as a battleground where they're actually, you know, scared, um, you know, and they see things as threats. You know, the thing with play is that, you can only really engage in play and access all of the abilities of play is when you feel safe. And, you know, if you feel threatened and whatnot, then, you know, we're going into the sort of the neuroscience of all this, but you're, you know, you turn on your sympathetic nervous system, fight, flight, or freeze, and, you know, your creativity goes offline and all these other things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, then, yeah, you might see the world as a battleground, like, all right, I got to fight this person, you know, um, and it's challenging. It, it, it takes some interventions to get us back, get the play center back online. Right. Um, in some cases, you know, uh, just being completely honest, you know, some cases, yeah. You know, this is where like, you know what, this is a dire situation. Um, you know, we are actually being threatened. You know, you know, we, you know, play is, play is not happening right now. You know what? It, it's the case. Yeah. Uh, but I like to say that those are the extreme situations. Mm-hmm. And there's probably more instances than not where we can bring this play-like uh, spirit uh, to the workplace, you know, to your environment, to conversations. And it doesn't mean that we're just sort of like goofing off. It's just that we are bringing those childlike qualities, curiosity, wonder, empathy, creativity. Agreed. I completely agree. And that's also good. I'm just like, I, I, I can't even add nothing. Like you didn't, you hit all the important parts. It's, yeah, I really just hope that, you know, as people listen to this, that they're just hearing that they have permission and that it is safe to tap into these things that we were told we shouldn't do and to explore ways of of being, even in, in, you know, small situations and small quantities, um, in order to kind of normalize it for you, but like, it's so it's okay to do these things. It's, it's even preferable to explore what it is to be in a completely different way than you're told you should be. Agreed. Please. You know what I mean? Like it's a true invitation. And this is the thing where we have to, like, as adults, we have to give ourselves permission. <laughs> Uh, it's interesting. A lot of times I feel like we're waiting for someone to give us permission and, but you need to give yourself permission to do these things. Play is a very vulnerable, um, sort of place. And I get why some people 
don't want to bring out that that sort of playful side of them because they're scared of the potential judgment. You know, again, going back to people of color, black people, um, where they felt like they've had to mask for so long. Um, mm-hmm. This may be a very uncomfortable situation, you know, to think what I can start to bring out some of my original qualities and, and people are going to accept me. Right. So you that may have been the thing, but I was going to ask you anyway, what would be the, <laughs> the, the thing that you would ask, you know, the listeners to go off and do and try and actually experiment with? But I feel like giving themselves permission to go and do the thing, to play, to give themselves that permission to tap into that part of them, that it is still there. You didn't lose it. It's there. It's always like, been there. Yeah. You just sort of locked it up like Rapunzel up in the tower yep. um, as a way to protect it. I get it. And and you may be thinking, all right, I, I, this is very interesting, Gary. Uh, I want to give myself permission, but this is overwhelming. How about you just start small? <laughs> maybe it's, you know, you're, you know, since we're talking about work and whatnot, like maybe, you know, before, um, you know, uh, before you start a meeting, you know, just go around and, and have everyone sort of, you know, check in. You know, um, you know, something light, you know, so that we can start to bring that sense of community or maybe underneath your signature in your email, you put like a little, little quip, like a little pun, you know, uh, maybe. And this is something that I do. Well, I did uh, when I was going out and meeting people. Um, I, I have a sort of ritual of not matching my socks. It's just something that I've, I did, you know, for a long time. Um, actually I did once and I, and it was like a really great day. And I, now I'm like, if I don't do it, something's going to happen. So, uh, must that have been was talking to my kids cause they don't match socks anymore. They give up. My bad. Sorry. I didn't mean to be, I didn't mean to be that a bad influence. Um, and, and you know what? It does make buying new socks a lot easier. Uh, you know, cause I just have all these like sort of like dress socks and they're just like in there and I just grabbed two, but like most people don't even see it. And it's like right. my little playful thing for myself. Right. <laughs> But start small. That's the main thing. <laughs> I would agree. Um, I think I think giving yourself a way to start small, because some people can be overachievers and you try to do too much and it can be an easy way to be like, this doesn't work. I'm going to put it away. I'm going right. to do the other thing. So I agree. Find something that you can just pop a little bit of something in there just to inspire you to get started and keep going. And And if I can add... Be mindful. So we have a negativity bias, as in, mm-hmm. because that's how we stay alive. Our brains right. are wired to remember in HD, you know, 1080p, all the bad things that happen. Matter of fact, you could probably go back in your brain and think about like that one time when you had a mistake on that email and, and someone caught it and you felt like humiliated. Like you remember mm-hmm. all those things. Right. The positive things, if you're not more conscious about it, you will forget because again, your brain's like, Oh, I don't have to remember that. And so uh, my invite to you is as you are doing these small, playful things, check in with yourself. That might've felt a little bit scary at first, but after it's over, Hmm, how do I, how do I feel? You know, when maybe your normal routine is to sort of power through lunch and just keep working or, you know, use that time to just check email. But for one time, you 
took a, a full break and you did something playful that brought joy for you that maybe wouldn't be quote unquote seen as productive, but after you're done and you got back into the work, mm-hmm. how did that make you feel? You know, were you a little bit more productive? Start to take stock in those things because that's the only way that you will start doing more of it <laughs> is, right. you know, when you start to realize like, oh, this is actually, this, this is working. I'm so glad you shared that. Cause I do think that again, just even these little like, I want to actually play on my break. Like I, <laughs> I like these, like, like this is an actionable thing. Try this, just experiment, see what happens. And I think everybody listening can benefit from some small and steady ways to be able to bring some of that levity back into life again. Yes. For that, I appreciate you, Gary. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Of course. Now you have to tell the people where they can go find you because, of course, they need to come and figure out. I want to. I, I want to know what Gary's doing. I want to learn from Gary. Where is Gary? Where in oh, the world is Gary? Yay! All right. So if if you heard this and your spidey senses are, are tingling and you want to learn a little bit more about it or just say hi, my website breakthroughplay.com. and you know from there I, I have some resources. You can you know learn about like some of the offerings that I have. I'm on LinkedIn. Gary Ware. I'm on all the socials, uh, you know, at Gary Ware. Uh, come and say hi, uh, especially if you, you know, you're giving yourself permission to play. You know, let me know how it goes, even if it didn't go well. <laughs> Tell me. I, I want to know. I want to hear the good, the bad, the ugly. I dig it. I love all of it. It's an experiment. Go forth. Do it. Yes. For coming and sharing all of this amazing insight, for giving us games and prompts to reignite a desire to be playful and to be in a space of play for all of that, Gary. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. This conversation was so good. It was so much fun. (laughs) I am so glad that there was the space to be able to talk about how to take something that's fun, how to take something that is light and be able to utilize it to dig into some things that maybe don't feel as light because we know that we want to be a part of the change that we want to see. So what can we do? And I think being able to really dig into some of those parts of ourselves that we kind of packed away when we became adults, I think that they could really serve us at this point in life, in adulthood, in our evolution, all of those things. And so I highly suggest taking into consideration some of the things that Gary shared and really just experiments. And like, I really like this, like, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like, what can I have my kids like go into with like that whole, like here rant and then rave. Cause I'm like, let me see what'll happen. And I think maybe they'll have some fun with it. And I think it'll, it'll just, again, be a way to open up and do some of the things that we're told as adults, we don't have access to. So tapping into it with kids might help to give me a way of tapping into it more with adults. Thank you, Gary. Appreciate that. And I know that improv was probably not what you were expecting us to talk about, not a topic that you thought about, but the reality is, is that we have to use all the tools that we have at our disposal as we continue, you know, having these real conversations and normalizing the things that are challenging. This is how we really are making the difference. We got this together. You already know. Together, we're going to continue crossing lines, recreating boundaries in order to support and not separate.
We're going to continue getting more people to drop the veil by challenging their thoughts, feelings, and actions. So thank you for being here with me, hanging out for a bit. And until the next time, keep the dialogue going. Bye. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take, and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?